Good morning and welcome to the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily number 264. It is Friday, December 11th, 2020. I'm your host, Scott Gumbar, and the U.S. warns of increased cyber attacks against K-12 distance learning. This podcast is brought to you by Nuage Tech, a client-focused and security-minded IT consultant based in Central Connecticut. You can visit us at nuagetech.com. That's N-W-A-J-Tech.com. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday, the second to last Friday that I will be recording for the year of 2020, just next week. After that, it's Christmas and New Year's Day, and I will not be recording on those days. Um, Wherever you listen to this, if you could like, share, comment, or review, that would be spectacular. And if you're in a HIPAA compliant business, you can go to Facebook and or LinkedIn, type get HIPAA compliance into the search, join the group and learn some HIPAA stuff. We have quite a bit of HIPAA stuff today. Uh, Let's jump into it. First of all, there is an update from Adobe. Adobe did release an update for Acrobat and Reader. You should patch immediately. These are security updates to address a vulnerability that attacker could use to exploit and obtain sensitive information. So patch immediately if you have Adobe Acrobat or Adobe Reader. And let's face it, most of us have at least one of those two. ZDNet, remote code execution vulnerability uncovered in Starbucks mobile platform. A potential remote code execution bug has been patched in one of Starbucks mobile domains. The US US coffee giant runs a bug bounty platform at HackerOne. A new vulnerability report submitted by Camille KO2Sec Owner Azak Kelly, Kaleli, first submitted on November 5th and made public on December 9th, describes an RCE, which is short for Remote Code Execution, issue found on mobilestarbucks.com.sg, a platform for Singaporean users. According to the advisory, KO2Sec discovered an .ashx endpoint on mobilestarbucks.com.sg, that was intended for handling image files, however, the endpoint did not restrict file type uploads, which means that attackers abusing the issue could potentially upload malicious files and remotely execute arbitrary code. Just kind of hacker 101 there. I'm impressed that that was not found earlier. While the full bug bounty report has been restricted by Starbucks, it is noted that the bug bounty hunter's analysis of the issue revealed additional endpoints on other out-of-scope domains that shared this vulnerability. CVE has not been issued for the critical vulnerability, but a severity score of 9.8 has been added to the report. KO2Sec was awarded $5,600 for his findings. The RCE is not the only submission the researchers have made to Starbucks in October. KO2Sec described an account takeover exploit in the Starbucks Singapore website caused by open test environments. It was possible to target users by knowing their email address, view their personal information, and even use any credit loaded in their account wallets to make purchases. The bug bounty received $6,000 for his previous report. To date, Starbucks has received 1,068 vulnerability reports on HackerOne. The average bounty paid out for valid submissions is between $250 and $375, while critical bugs are worth four dollars to $6,000. In total, the coffee chain has paid more than $640,000 to bug bounty hunters, with $20,000 cashed out in the past 90 days. So again, I encourage you that if you have any inkling of technology and are looking for ways to make some money, hop on HackerOne, and they teach you. They teach you what you need to know. That's why I said, 
you know, that first one was Hacker 101. That's that's um, a very common type of breach and usually looked for immediately by anybody, any developers. Hackers can use WinZip insecure server connection to drop malware. This is on Bleepy Computer. The server-client communication in certain versions of the WinZip file compression tool is insecure and could be modified to serve malware or fraudulent content to users. WinZip has been a long-standing utility for Windows users with file archiving needs beyond the support built into the operating system. Initially released almost 30 years ago, the tool now has versions of macOS, Android, and iOS, and, and as, well, and as well as an enterprise edition that adds collaboration features. According to its website, the application has more than 1 billion downloads. WinZip is currently at version 25, but earlier releases checked the server for updates over an unencrypted connection, a weakness, weakness that could be exploited by a malicious actor. Martin Rachmanoff of Trustwave Spider Labs captured the traffic from a vulnerable version of the tool to show the encrypted communication. Given the insecure nature of the communication channel, Rachmanoff says the traffic can be grabbed, manipulated, or hijacked by an attacker on the same network as the WinZip user. One risk stemming from this action is DNS poisoning, which tricks the application into retrieving a fake update from a malicious web server. As a result, unsuspecting user can launch arbitrary code as if it's a valid update. Rachmanoff notes in a blog post, on registered versions of WinZip that are, that are vulnerable, the attacker could also obtain potentially sensitive information such as username and registration code. Rachmanoff says the clear text communication is also used for showing pop-ups informing users with a free trial version of WinZip how, many, how much time they have left for testing. Uh, I didn't know people still use WinZip to be honest, um, but there you have it. I knew it was still around, I just didn't know people still used it. Why, you know, I don't know why you would pay for it when there are better utilities out there. Some of them are free. Um, but there you have it. So WinZip transmitting data to the WinZip server in clear text, which again is kind of Hacker 101 stuff. Alright, also on Bleepy Computer, fake data breach alerts users used, sorry, fake data breach alerts used to steal ledger cryptocurrency wallets. A phishing scam is underway that targets ledger wallet users with fake data breach notifications used to steal cryptocurrency from recipients. Ledger is a hardware cryptocurrency wallet that allows you to store, manage, and sell cryptocurrency. The funds held in these wallets are secured using a 24-word recovery phrase and supports 12, 18, or 24-word recovery phrases used by other wallets. Anyone who knows this recovery phrase can use it to access the funds that it secures. Therefore, recovery phrases must be kept offline and private so the cryptocurrency funds are not stolen. In July, Ledger suffered a data breach after a website vulnerability allowed threat actors to access customers' contact details. At the time of the breach, Ledger stated that they emailed the affected 9,500 customers and provided a dedicated email that can be used for more information about the attack. Starting in October, Ledger users began receiving fake emails about it new data breach from Ledger. The email stated that the user was affected by the breach and that they should install the latest version of Ledger Live to secure their assets with a new PIN. We regret to inform you that we have alerted, we have been alerted of a data breach affecting confidential data belonging to approximately 115,000 of our customers, which includes personal information, PIN encrypted private and public keys, as well as the amount of each cryptocurrency stored inside the wallet. The fake Ledger data breach phishing email reads. These email contains links to domain names using Punicode characters 
that allow the attackers to impersonate the legitimate ledger.com using accented or Cyrillic characters. For example, a lookalike domain currently being used is HTTPS ledger.com, but there's uh, the, the little dots above G and the E, which at a glance appears to be legitimate ledger site, especially if your screen is dirty. This fake site prompts users to download ledger live applications. If a visitor downloads the mobile ledger live app, they will be redirected to legitimate Apple and Google app pages. On the other hand, if they try to download the desktop version, it will download a fake ledger live application from the ledger phishing site. As you can see below, the fake Windows version is signed using a certificate for Source Code Solutions Limited and the legitimate Ledger Live is signed as Ledger SAS. When installed, the fake Ledger application is di designed to be almost identical to the legitimate version, minus some choices when the startup when you start up the program. When you launch the fake software, it will prompt you for two choices: restore devices from recovery phase, or don't have a Ledger device. As the user reached this malicious site because the data breach notifications told them to reset their PIN, most will click on the restore device option. When doing so, the application displays a screen asking you to enter your recovery phrase. So you can figure out where it's going to go from there. They now have your recovery phrase and they can now steal your cryptocurrency wallet from Ledger. Also bleeping computer, 250,000 stolen MySQL databases for sale on dark web auction site. Hackers have set up an auction site on the dark web to sell 250,000 databases stolen from tens of thousands of breached MySQL servers. The entire collection is 7 terabytes, that's a pretty big file, pretty big uh, collection in size and is part of a database ransom business that registered a sharp rise since October. Back in May, Bleepy Computer reported that an attacker was stealing SQL databases from online shops and threatening victims that their data would become public if they did not pay .06 Bitcoin. Although the hacker's website on the clear web listed only 31 databases, the number of abuse reports for the wallet left in the ransom note was above 200, indicating a much larger operation. Researchers at Gardacore monitored the scheme through the year and noticed a sharp rise in activity since October 3rd. The attackers moved from the clear web to the dark web, creating an auction site that lists 250,000 databases from 83,000 breached servers that were exposed on the public web. MySQL databases sold on the auction site range from 20 bytes to gigabytes in size and are offered for the same amount, 0.03 bitcoins or $545 at current prices. Based on the names and sizes of the auction databases, Bleeping Computer believes these are automated attacks. This is because the actor is not only selling large databases but also testing default databases that contain only 20 bytes of data. In a report published today, Gardacore confirms that the data results are from non-targeted automated attacks that use brute force to gain access to the data. When a threat actor backs or hacks into a MySQL server, they will execute various commands to archive and copy the databases to the attacker's infrastructure, delete them from the victim server, and then create a ransom note. The ransom note is created in a new database table titled Warning, containing a single record. The record has instructions for the victim directing them to the Tor site to pay the ransom and providing a unique token to access the personal page. So again, um, sounds like uh, probably not very secure MySQL databases out there being grabbed by scripts and run away with and now being held for ransom, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, bleeping computer, but I've, this is across multiple 
websites now. U.S. warns of increased cyber attacks against K-12 distance learning. K-12 educational institutions in the U.S. are being targeted by malicious actors for extortion, data theft, and general disruption of normal activity. The trend will continue through the 2021 2020 through 2021 academic year. The alert comes from the FBI, the CISA, and Multi-State Information Sharing and Analysis Center, MS-ISAC, based on reports from K-12 institutions incurring cyber attacks. In a joint advisory today, the three government agencies are warning that ransomware, malware, delivery, and DDoS attacks are the main threats for K-12 educational institutions. Ransomware attacks in the education sector have increased at the beginning of the school year, with cybercriminals stealing data and threatening to leak it unless the ransom was paid, just like in the case of targets in the business and industry sector. Based on data aggregated from both open source and third-party incident reports, the most prevalent ransomware families affecting K-12 institutions between January and September were Ryuk, Maze, Nephilim, AKO, and Revel. And Ironically, Ryuk and Maze are no longer operating, but there are groups that have taken their place. So, non-targeted attacks against this sector delivered multiple malware strains, the most common ones being Schleyer, Zeus, Agent Tesla, Nanocore, and cryptocurrency miners. Schleyer malware for macOS that continues to evolve recently. Its authors came up with a trick that bypasses Apple scanning for malicious code and code signing issues in software running on macOS 10.15 which is also codenamed Catalina and above. We talked about that before. Last year, Kaspersky Security Solutions for Mac detected Slayer on 1 in 10 systems, and this malware strain accounted for 30% of all the detections on Apple computers. Zeus is a long-standing Trojan, first detected in 2007, that has turned into an information stealer banking financial information credentials. Agent Tesla and Nanocore are off-the-shelf information stealer and remote access tool, both a common tool and business email compromises. Coin miners, while not malicious, can slow down systems and drive up energy due to increased power required by mining activity. So if your computer starts racing when you visit certain websites, that's that's um, that's the website has been compromised, potentially been compromised, and is being used for a mining cryptocurrency. The alert from the FBI, CISA, and MSISAC also warns of DDoS incidents causing disruptions of normal operations in the K-12 sector. This echoes a report from Checkpoint in mid-September about a surge of these attacks against education and academic institutions. The three U.S. agencies say that the reason behind the increased incidence of these attacks is the availability of DDoS for higher attacks that in, or services that enable any motivated malicious cyber actor conduct disrupt to conduct disrupt disruptive attacks regardless of experience level. So in other words, I can pay someone to do it for me if I don't know how to do it myself. Activity disruptions were also caused by uninvited users attending video classroom sessions, also known as Zoom bombing, and they were verbally harassing students, teachers, displaying unsuited material, and doxing participants. This was possible for accessing meetings from links exposed to public or to outside users or by tricking hosts into accepting their participation by using student names. The FBI, CISA, and MSICA, I, I don't know why I keep saying that wrong. FBI, CISA, and MSISAC also highlight risks related to social engineering carried through phishing, domain typo squatting against students, parents, faculty, IT personnel, or other people involved in distance learning. 
Cyber criminals could use these attacks to obtain personally identifiable information, passwords to lure users to malicious websites or deliver malware. Defending against most attacks requires little effort. In most cases, applying software updates promptly, correcting misconfiguration using strong, unique passwords, enabling multi-factor authentication, and disabling ports that are not needed should keep most cyber criminals at bay. The government alert provides a comprehensive set of actions that K through 12 educational institutions should take along with snort signatures that CIS had created to detect and protect against attacks while observed with observed malware, the rules should complement other defense methods. So it's not going away. Distance learning has created a new, I guess you can say a new attack vector for the cyber criminals and um, it's really not going anywhere. We have six more healthcare providers impacted by ransomware attacks. GBMC Healthcare in Maryland, Golden Gate Regional Center in California, and Dryas or Dyrus Dental in Michigan have recently suffered ransomware attacks. And Allegheny Health Network, Amita Health, and Bay Health have announced they have been affected by the ransomware attack on Blackboard. So three of them coming from Blackboard, and three other ransomware attacks not related to Blackboard attacks. So GBMC Healthcare is in Towson, Maryland suffered a ransomware attack on December 6th that forced its computer systems offline and the healthcare provider is now operating under EHR downtime procedures while the attack is mitigated. GBMC Healthcare had planned for such an attack and had processes in place to ensure care could continue to be provided to patients while keeping disruption to a minimum. Safe and effective care continues to be provided to patients and its emergency department did not stop receiving patients. However, some elective procedures scheduled for Monday, December 7th were postponed. Efforts are underway to bring systems back online and restore the encrypted data and law enforcement has been notified and is investigating the attack. This one looks to be the Egregor Ransomware Group. They've claimed it. Golden Gate Regional Center, a provider of services for individuals with the developmental disabilities in Marin, San Francisco and San Mateo counties in California, identified suspicious activity on its computer systems on September 23rd. The investigation revealed the protected health information of 11,315 people had been exfiltrated from its computer systems prior to the deployment of ransomware. Data stolen in the attack was limited to names, GGRC client identification numbers, service codes, descriptions, vendor service provider names, and numbers, month or year of service, and cost information related to the services provided. The investigation did not uncover the evidence to suggest any stolen data had been misused. Again, there's really no way to know that. Affected individuals were notified by mail in November and complimentary identity theft protection services have been offered. Dyrus Dental in Lansing, Michigan, and we have a few dental incidents, one far bigger than this, but and Lansing, Michigan has experienced a ransomware attack involving Egregor. So Egregor being very active. Although this has not been confirmed by the dental service provider, a dump of data stolen in the attack was identified by databreaches.net on September 24, 2020. Attempts were made to contact Dyrus Dental, but no response was received. Databreaches.net has referred to the breach to the Department of Health and Human Services Office of Civil Rights, as it would appear that the breach has not been reported and patients have not received notification that their PHI has been stolen. Uh, that is not a good good sign for Dyrus Dental in Lansing, Michigan. And then the other three that we just mentioned, Algheny Health Network, Amita Health, and Bay Health, all 
added to the blackboard ransomware attack I'm not even sure let me see if this says here not even sure I think last count was over three million this is this is going to add another three hundred thousand two hundred sixty one thousand and seventy eight thousand and ransomware University of Vermont Medical Center ransomware attack could cost cost could exceed sixty three million dollars they're, they're estimating that it's cost cost them one point five million dollars in lost revenue per day we talked about this attack University of Vermont they I believe they've recovered no okay they've recovered most of their systems but not all and what I was just referring to Sarasota Florida based dental health care or dental care Alliance LLC a dental support organization with more than 320 affiliated dental practices across 20 states has been attacked and protected health information of more than a million individuals has potentially been compromised the breach occurred on September 18th was detected on October 11th and was contained on October 13th so for almost a month the breach the cyber criminals were on this network the breach investigation did not uncover any specific evidence to suggest patient information has been obtained by the attackers or misused a review of the systems accessible to the attackers revealed they contain names addresses diagnosis treatment information patient account numbers billing information dentist names health insurance information and for around 10 percent of the affected individuals individuals bank account numbers notification letters were sent to the 1,004,304 affected individuals by dental care alliance in november legacy community health services in texas is notifying 3,076 individuals that some of their protected health information was contained in an email account that was accessed by an unauthorized individual. LCHS identified an unauthorized login to an employee's email account on July 24th and a password reset was performed the same day. A third-party cybersecurity firm was engaged to investigate the firm and the review of the compromised account was completed on September 22nd. The review revealed the account contained patient names and unlimited clinical information and limited clinical information related to care received and one patient's driver's license number. Misuse of patient information is not suspected. Notifications were sent to 3,076 patients on November 20th. This is the third email breach to be reported by LCHS in 2020. An email account was reported to HHS Office of Civil Rights in September as affecting 228,000 individuals, and a breach was reported as affecting 19,000 individuals in June. That's not good. That means there is zero phishing mitigation occurring at Legacy Community Health Services. I guess that should not be a surprise given the name of the healthcare facility. Hillcrest Nursing Center in Round Lake Beach, Beach. Since I'm so tempted to say Breach, Round Lake Beach, Illinois, was has discovered the protected health information of certain residents may have been viewed by an unauthorized individual on or around August 4th. Hillcrest Nursing Center terminated one of its staff physicians on August 23rd. Hillcrest was informed by some family members of residents that they had received a phone call from the terminated physician who had discussed care and treatment. An investigation was launched, which revealed the physician still had access to the Hillcrest Medical Records System. So one of the first rules they teach you when you um, off-board, let somebody go or somebody quits or whatever, is you, you disable their access immediately. The physician's login was immediately revoked and review was conducted to determine which records could potentially have been accessed. The review was completed on October 9th and confirmed that a terminated physician had access to 1,030 records, which included names, social security numbers, insurance information, medical histories, and treatment information. 
and if all affected individuals have now been notified and complimentary identity theft restoration and credit monitoring services are being provided. A new policy has been implemented that requires access to the electronic medical record system to be immediately revoked when system members are terminated or otherwise leave employment. That is um, access controls not being handled very well at Hillcrest Nursing Centers. And I, this sounds like the second time I've reported something like this, so I'm not sure why those things keep happening. Um, that is going to do it for the Friday edition of the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily. So until Monday, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay secure.